Welcome to Let's Get Uncomfortable, a running podcast where we shake out and purposely go off track on any and everything related to our favorite hobby. Get ready to get uncomfortable along with our guests, because growth only happens outside of your comfort zone. Here are your hosts, Ines Babea, Jamie Chen, and Nathan Schiller. Hello, I'm Jamie Chen. Hi, I'm Ines Bebea, and welcome to Let's Get Uncomfortable. And I'm Nathan Schiller. Our guest today is a legend in NYC running culture. And like the best athletes in the world, he goes by just one name. Coffee, welcome to our podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. What's, what's going on? Uh, well, you're definitely right. Coffee is, is known in NYC as a real tough pacer with Nike and Nike Run Club. And nobody commands a group the way Coffee does, as you can see that also in his presence as an actor and a filmmaker. I mean, from my interactions with Coffee, he's always approachable. He's a humble influencer. So I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Uh, thank Sam. you. I, I, I appreciate that. I, you know, a lot of people look at me and I feel like I'm not approachable. So you saying that, that's actually an accomplishment. I, I appreciate it. Well, Coffee, we're going to get it started with our Sports Legacy segment. Um, more than 50 years ago at the 1968 Olympic Games in Mexico City, the runners Tommy Smith and John Carlos won first and third place, respectively, in the 200-meter dash. And Smith set the world record at that time of 19.83. And as black men representing the United States, they wanted to use their accomplishments to draw attention to anti-black racism and injustices all over the country and the world. So when they stood on the podium and the Star Spangled Banner played, they bowed their heads and raised their black gloved fists in a black power salute. And it was an incredible act of courage because they were harshly criticized by white people and institutions in the US and even they received death threats. And it's remained one of the most powerful instances of the intersection of sports and black political social activism. So Kafi, you've been running to protest since July. And I wonder if you can start off by telling us about your protests and whether you found inspiration in the history of athlete activists. I mean, for me, running to, pro running to protest started with um, just doing something that's right, that was well-deserved and well-needed, not exactly knowing it was going to get the attention that it's getting, right? Um, just knowing that somebody had to do something to bring the running community together to educate and, you know, just let them know what we've been through, what we've been going through before we were even born and what we can continue not going through and how we can get our allies to actually help. Uh, what's interesting there is that, um, you know, I actually met John Carlos um, three years ago and we, we talked for a long time. Nike had this event at the African-American um, Museum in Harlem on 102nd and 5th Avenue. I remember that. Yep. And um, he was there and him and I, you know, my grandfather had put me on to him and Tommy Smith when I was a kid. So my approach to him was, you know, if my grandfather were here he would ask you for his autograph and, and, and now that he's not here, I'll get your autograph and take it to his, you know, his grave and put it there. And that sparked a very long conversation um, between him and I for like an hour or so. 
And we just had, he was telling me so much and the things that my grandfather was telling me and some of the things that my grandfather couldn't, didn't know, John was actually adding that material. I mean, adding that lesson to me. And like what? what? Like just the, what he, what he went through after the fact, you know, like practicing all his life to make it to the Olympics and then fighting for his rights. That one split second, everything went down the drain because they felt like they did something totally wrong that was out of the norm. And, you know, you, you look at, you look at Colin Kaepernick now, and you look at some of the other athletes, um, even in the NBA, man, when there was Chris Jackson, you know, he did it in the 90s and they blackballed him, right? So he was just telling me the downfall of his life. He couldn't speak for Tommy, but for him, it was a downfall and he had to figure it out from the beginning. He had to start over again. So I understood that. And, you know, it was premature to where we at now, um, the climate today, as far as what happened to Mr. George Floyd, Ms. Breonna Taylor, Mr. Amar Arbery, and all the other victims, right? And knowing what he saw and why they did it back then, three years later, after I meet John Carlos, we're still in the exact same situation. So that's why running the protest um, was birthed for those reasons. I'm not saying that it's gonna stop everything from happening because of course not, it's something happening every single day. I mean, there's some things that's in the spotlight and there's a lot of things that aren't. Yeah, for example, last year you were traveling the country promoting a film that had a, a cast of um, strictly black, black men discussing how to build in America. This year you have been leading the protests against police brutality and other social injustices. What did you learn from last year that has helped you now to carry this movement on your shoulders? So the film um, about the people um, was birthed strictly because my son went through that entire thing of um, not was being afraid to be outside in the dark, um, thinking that he was gonna get killed by the cops. So that's why, um, that's how, that's why about the people was written. Um, and it's strictly about, yeah, concerned pillars in the African-American um, community meet with one goal in mind, which was, which is change. And instead of showing, you know, the cops killing us in a film, which we already see this on the phones and they still get off, I, the approach was totally different. And that was pretty much saying like, um, how could we rebuild and go back to what Black Wall Street once was? And that's just simply um, buying back into your community. And that's why the film was written. And, 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 and when I submitted the film to the film festivals, you know, su submitting a film like that to the film festivals actually let you know how racist um, the world really is. Because it was a film, like you said, um, Inez, it was a film with an entire Black cast, well-known actors, um, A-list actors. Right. And, um, they didn't see any reasoning of showing it because they just didn't think it was worthy. And I have those film festivals responses. And then um, the minute that Mr. George Floyd, when all that occurred, when that happened, I got emails from these exact same film festivals, all of a sudden they want to put it online and I didn't respond. 
because they knew, I don't know if I can curse here, but they knew that they had fucked up. And, you know, and, and, and it's sad that they didn't take this seriously back then. You know, this is something that's been happening in as to us since we were born. And that's why I knew that I was coming from a, an appropriate place in saying enough is enough and telling our own people, look, this is all we got to do to go back to how we used to live before we were born and to stop um, police brutality, because that's what it is. You know, we, we're, we're being looked upon as a threat first, you know, and, and that's a major problem. And, and I know we got somebody new, you know, the new elect president, which I'm sure we'll get to that later. But I know we have a new elect president and vice president, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah, I think that's why, like, I was bringing the, I mean, from, from knowing you for, like, now a number of years to seeing the film and, like, conversations that you and I have had often. And then, you know, what the movie represented has been what has been your fight always to have Black actors not just be stereotyped. So your entire okay. film is these men who are all Black, who speak in a different in a way that you don't always see being portrayed in television and films. So you already are used to like going in, like and breaking these barriers to say like, we are demanding our voices and our respect in the craft as well. So now, like you said, like you, when you were shopping the film around, they're like, oh, you know, we don't really have time for that, whatever, whatever. But now the reality is here. And then, you know, unfortunately like, why people are noticing because it's a trend, you are now leading another movement that you're still calling for representation. That's what I mean, like, how, what you learn from that now, how does it affect you now when people wanna collaborate with you? You know what I mean? The same people like last year wouldn't answer your calls. And now this year, because you're doing this, like when they come to you, how do you respond? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't respond. You know, I, I just, I just, I just leave the email in the inbox, or I don't respond to the text because in the, you know, the the, the worst thing you can do to me is is be fake. You know, you can always you can always spot someone that's just talking to be talking, and 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 as soon as I do that, man, I just put them on the side, and that's what I've been doing this entire summer. Um, even you know when the pandemic hit. And, you know, when the pandemic hit, that's when everybody was glued to their TV because everything all of a sudden stopped. And that's when these film festivals start hitting me up because they knew everything had to change. You know, uh, you get one year to put your film out there. And my film started in July. So it, it, it started in July, went to January. And then, you know, the pandemic hit like in February, March. So everything was shut down. And then that's when they threw everything online. And once they threw everything online, that's when these film festivals, like I said, all of a sudden try to reverse their entire thing and come back at me and say, hey, you know, um, we, we have a slot for you here. And I, I just didn't bother responding um, because I know how they saw it the first time. And now they just want to try to, you know, feel like they helping the cause by all of a sudden playing my film um, about the people. Yeah, we're ready to talk about diversity now. That's all that's you know, it's that's a problem. That's always been a major problem. Um, I always felt like, you know, 
everyone is biting off our culture to a certain extent, right? And and they don't admit it, but I could, you know, I, I'm a film lover. I can look at these films um, that's casted with all white America, um, white actors, white actresses, but pay attention to their soundtrack. It's always hip hop and R&B music, <laughs> always. You know, and, and I pay attention to that, but you don't see one black person being represented in, in the film. And if so, he's a drug dealer, he's a rapper, or, or he or she is a maid. And that's the issue and that's the problem. So that's why about the people we gave, instead of me being in like these same guys that was in About the People, no, no lie, we have all been in one casting room together reading for the same part. Like literally, we were one casting room together reading for the same part, which was a little small bit part. And Michael Kenneth Williams is the one who got that part. So what in which show like Boardwalk Empire or something like that? But like, no, that was Law and Order back in the day. (laughs) Law Law and Order is like on everybody's IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) But I understand where you're getting from with stereotyping. I mean, if you look at Asians, we're either the concubine Mm -hmm. or the martial art and we're the supporting sidekick and even Mm -hmm. in like what is that one that matt damon was in the great wall like it was based in china on chinese superstition all with chinese people but he had to be the star yeah which is crazy to me same thing they did with brad pitt or was it brad pitt the last samurai no it was um tom cruise Tom Cruise. like come on man like that's crazy i mean have you been surprised at the volume of runners who showed up like your first run like you You've had like over 500 runners. Do you do you feel surprised? Well, the first run they capped it at Runners World capped it at 700, but we know it was like a thousand something people there because you couldn't see any of the seats and the benches at the amphitheater. But I think that was only, to be honest, I think that was that crowded because everyone was locked up in their house for like weeks, if not months, and well, like a month and a half. And when they got there, um, this was the one time for them to see their friend uh, wear a mask. But now I can go out, see my friend, and this is what drove me to do so. So I won't feel guilty if I'm running with a group. And if so, it's Coffee's fault. You know, he didn't want to play <laughs> out, you know, but. Um, so do you but, think the pandemic, uh, if it wasn't happening during the pandemic, the response would have been different? Yes. I, I think, you know, I ask this question all the time. If it wasn't for the pandemic, will Mr. George Floyd and Ms. Breonna Taylor and the rest of the victims have gotten that much attention? Think about that. Because last year or the year before or three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, a decade ago, the same thing was happening. Who really got that much attention? Trayvon Martin was probably the biggest, but that didn't even get as much attention as he should have gotten. Mike Brown, Mike Brown, like think about that. So because we was locked inside of a house and all you had to watch was TV, that helped the movement that have come about happen if it wasn't for the pandemic to get Buffy, to stop what they were uh, doing. Sorry, during uh, what the Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown protests, were you thinking at all about starting up some of the stuff that you have started in the pandemic with your activism and running? No, but I can say they was a part of why about the people 
um, was written because that's what my son, my older son was paying attention to. That's why he was afraid to be outside in the dark because he saw what happened to Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown. And we actually mentioned Trayvon Martin in the film. So that's what sparked some of the dialogue in the film. Um, I can't say that I knew way back then that um, I was gonna start um, the run into protest movement, but I did know that something needed to happen uh, once um, Mr. Amar Arbery was, was killed in, in, in Georgia the way he was. You know, that was just modern day lynching. Mm -hmm. So as a father, how old is your oldest son? And I know you also have like a younger one. How is that conversation about being black in America? Is it different for the older one than the, to the younger one? And how do you, when you sit down to have the talk with them, what do you say about being black in America, being a black male in America? Well, my oldest son now, man, he's 22. I started early. So yeah, he, he's, he's a grown man now, but, um, you know, it's, it's my, my conversation, it, it isn't different. We don't sugarcoat anything in, in our household, but um, being that, you know, he's out and about more than my youngest kids, then it is like more saying, hey, be safe, uh, pay attention to your surroundings and um, don't be out all times in the night, you know, which he doesn't. And um, the pandemic has slowed a lot of that down, which is, you know, which is as bad as, it's terrible, but at the same time, good because it keeps them in the house. Uh, I think it keeps more of us in the house. But at the end of the day, all of my kids are black. So regardless on what age um, they are, they are going to be looked upon the exact same. And I let, like, you know, I have a nine-year-old daughter, and then we also have a set of twins who are seven. And um, they are all immune to what's happening and what's going on. I don't believe, like I mentioned earlier, I don't believe in keeping anything away from them. And I don't believe in trying to sugarcoat what's actually happening because well, that- how do, you, how do you say, how do you tell them? Like, what are the words that you use? Like, you sit them down and say, people are gonna look at you differently because- People are gonna look at you differently. People are gonna look at you differently because you're black. You have to work harder because you're black. I know it sounds horrible, but at the end of the day, you are black. And I want you to know that black is beautiful and don't pay attention to whoever it is that decides that you're less than because that person was just raised inappropriately. And keep striving. Don't let any other color stop you from not loving your color. Those are the conversations that we have. You know, my seven-year-old daughter, she was the one, um, she's the twin but she was the one that was afraid of being black for a while. But now she, she, she understands that she's beautiful. Doesn't matter. Like what did she say when she, she said that she was afraid, what did she no. say? Well, she was just crying. And then my wife told me, um, I need to go speak to London. And when I went and spoke to her, that's why she was crying because she was afraid of being black. And she was so, she was also afraid to what they all was afraid that they were going to lose their friends. They have, um, you know, they're very, their friends, their friends are very diverse. They're friends with white people, they're friends with Asians. You know, they're group, they're black, Asians, and white. We over here in, in Brooklyn. And they hang out tight, but they haven't seen each other in a long time. So they was wondering if they was gonna lose them as friends. And I was like, no, that's not that's not gonna happen. But the main problem was 
she was black and she was afraid if she was to go outside, something was going to happen. So I just let her know, dad is here to protect you from anything happening to you. And you no longer have to worry about that. So she understands that I'm out there protesting and she knows what they all know I'm protesting and they all know why. And, and, and just like the film, the film, it mentions, look, this ain't a, a five or 10 year deal. We're talking about 15, 20 years difference. You know what I mean? And, and, and with that said, they'll be in their twenties at that time. And, and if they're living in a better world at the time, then I did my job. When the protests were happening, I think literally in front of your door in, in Brooklyn, did that make them more afraid? How did that feel to them? Like seeing that literally outside of their door through the window? Well, the, the greatest thing that happened was that, um, when the first when this all went down, we had sent I sent them to Miami, um, because school they had let school out like they stopped doing school like in the very beginning of March they shut it down, and they tried to go virtual they tried to go remote and they had to figure it out because they never done that before, so my wife being that she's from Miami we sent her to um, where she went to her mom's house, her mom and her sisters and. Um, they have a front yard, backyard, you know, being that everything was about to be on lockdown in New York. We can't have little young kids standing in the house, you know, they'll, they'll go crazy. So they didn't really see the protest that was happening here in front. And then they came back like two months later and then people were still protesting, which they are still are now. And then that's when they start seeing it. And they understood um, by looking through the window that there was something powerful going on. And my nine-year-old, she's already, you know, she's in love with Martin Luther King. She's in love with John Lewis. So Rosa Parks, like she already heard about protests. She never seen it until she came back. And then that's when she noticed it was right in front of her house. And then she started putting two and two together. So it was nothing to scare them. It was everything that they needed to see that these are the things that John Lewis and Martin Luther King was talking about when they crossed that bridge and they named that that bloody Sunday. Do you, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask, Coffee, do you feel that are there, are there other ethnic groups that you would like to see participate and how can they participate? Participate in running the protests? Just in the conversation in general. I see a lot of black and white. You know, I'm just wondering if you feel that running think, protests should include others too. I, I think, I think every race, um, is being looked upon as not the same as our white counterparts. And, and, and you know, and I say this all the time, there's a new, it's a new generation as you see. Um, so our allies are there because they showing us that they're not like their great, great, great grands or their great grands or their great grands, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like um, the answer to your question is yes, I, I would love to see every race out there, um, to be honest, because, you know, like you said, you're, you're Asian and, and I read a lot, like people send me articles about the racism that be happening to to you guys. And and, and, and it's crazy. Like I, I, I know about, I was interested in what happened to the lady that someone threw. Um, Fire? The, yes. they, they burned her? Yeah. Yes. And, um, and see, and I know Will, who who's the who's one of the protesters for that? Um, and 
I felt like, yeah, that needs to be addressed like quickly. And they did that. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think every race needs to be a part of this. Coffee, uh, you mentioned that, you know, if you can, we're going for 20 years down the road that this is a long-term project. I just want to ask you about maybe going 20 or more years in the past. Like you have talked about modeling for your kids and having difficult conversations with them. Um, were you having those conversations? Who was having, or I should say, who was having them with you when you were their age? And where did you get your guidance from? Oh, man, my grandfather, my grandmother, and uh, my mom and them was teaching me. Um, I said this numerous times, like Emmett Till was the first person that they brought to, to my attention when I was like five or six years old. You know, we had to, um, when we used to get home, come home, we used to have to tell them something different that we found out about Emmett Till. And those things weren't taught in school. So can you imagine, like, we had to, like, dig up, like, there was no internet um, you, that's when, you know, you could go find an encyclopedia and hope that you can find <laughs> something in the encyclopedia about it. But um, we weren't taught any of that stuff in school, but um, they were the ones that actually taught my brothers and I uh, and sisters that, you know, um, learn your history. This is what happened to Emmett Till. Um, this is who John Lewis is. This is who Martin Luther King. This is who C.T. Vivian is, you know, um, these, the, you know, this group started the Black Panthers, you know, understand the difference, but understand the fight is the same. You know, everyone had, everyone had a different fight, but at the end of the day, it was still all starting. It, it, this one fight all became about because of equality, you know, for the jump, from the jump, we was already like looked upon and they still trying to treat us like slaves. So it's nothing different than what happened in July 17th. Um, 1917, you know, that was really the first march that happened here in New York and it didn't happen here. It was 10,000 African-American men, women, and children that marched on Fifth Avenue in New York. And it wasn't because something happened in New York. It was because there was a lot of lynching that was happening in the South, you know? So all those type of things was actually taught to me um, growing up. I didn't understand it at the time um, being that I was growing up in the South, I, I seen it, you know, being that I was in the deep South in the woods, you know, because where I'm from is racist, it's, it's a racist town, but never on that platform. So me not understanding why they teaching us, why they teaching us, why they teaching us. Now, come 10, 15 years ago, I'm wiser, grown man. I go back to what they was talking to me about. Now my father now I'm like, oh shit, they was just preparing me. You know, I might have not wanted to hear that back then, but now I understand and I'm grateful that they did teach me from a young age for me to be as educated as I am with our history. It's kind of you know? yeah, important to like prepare you to get out there into the world and know that sooner or later, something like this is gonna happen and you need to be prepared on how to behave. Before the previous answer, you were talking about how people, everyone should be part of this movement. And one of the lines from the film that I also really like, it says that no movement has ever succeeded with just testosterone. Yes. And I've noticed there are like many white women who are part of your running team as you put together this protest. How did that happen? And are you in a little way disappointed that they are the ones that are showing up the most? 
how does that work? For, you mean to run into protest the runs or the community meetings? Well, both. There's a lot of white women in part, um, yeah. attending. You know, for and me, I ask that because, in a sense, in other places, in other areas, they can also be the gatekeepers. You know what I mean? Because they benefit from white supremacy, and then they benefit from when the diversity movement happens. They're also included. Well, white women are more powerful than white men sometimes. So how how did it come about that they are the ones that are running with you, supporting with you, how does that make you feel? And as far as like having allies, and is there a disappointment in that as well, that they are the ones that are showing up the most? I'm not disappointed um, in anyone showing up because here's the thing, I put it out there for anyone to show up. And they're the ones that have been showing up on a regular basis. If I'm disappointed, I'm disappointed that my own kind isn't showing up. Um, here I am putting myself out there for us, and I'm not seeing us out there as much as I would like to see us out there. And I've had these conversations over and over and over again. And, you know, some people, it's, it's always a fight or an argument when it comes to, to that topic. But I stand behind what I say because just because we're not out there, I'm going to still continue fighting because at the end of the day, I still have kids that are Black and I still have kids that I want to make sure that they're not living in the same world that I'm living in. But to, to answer your question, yes, I, I'm disappointed. I'm not disappointed because our allies are out there. I'm disappointed because I think more of us should be out there with our allies and that just falls back into what I mentioned earlier. Um, our allies are actually showing us that they're not their great, great, great grands who could have been, you know, the, the KKK, white supremacy and, and white supremacists and all that back in the day. And that's why they're out there. Um, and, and, you know, I can't knock that. And I can't, and I don't want to knock our own kind, but if, if you want to be, if you want to keep it a hundred, then I feel like we should be out there more more of us should be out there. If you had to think about other um, run groups, who would you consider, you know, you would like to see more of that, you know, to join you and, and be an ally with you in running to protest? Run groups? Mm, yeah, you know, put it out there. <laughs> um, we, we're supposed to be uncomfortable sometimes what, what, was that an uncomfortable laugh like he doesn't want to shout people out <laughs> not shout people out it's just he's inviting like hey right. you know I think we have a shared interest here I would love to connect with A, B, but, and C what, no, what, what, what's funny is that <laughs> every run group no every run group has um, the majority of the run groups have been a part of this they have like literally showed up. Now, I'm not gonna say every member of that run crew or that run club has shown up, but I don't know every member, but I can't sit here and pinpoint a, a, a run crew that haven't showed up because I have DMs and I have text messages and I have like emails from down there, every run crew, like the very first one. Although I feel like the majority of them showed up because of what I mentioned earlier, Every run crew was there that was in New York. Um, a, at least one, one or two members was there from every run crew. 
Now, I will say that when I put um, vote him out in the run, the run, uh, run into protest that we had the beginning of October, because we usually do this thing the second Sunday of each month, but October, we did it the first weekend so we can try to get people registered to vote before October the 9th. I will say that I got um, some DMs from certain run crews then that thought that, you know, I was being harsh and because all of a sudden this guy said he had COVID. I don't give a fuck. Like, that's like I don't care about that. At the end of the day, whether he's sick or not, got to get his ass up out of the White House. I mean, now he's out while we're talking today, but they felt- Hopefully. Wait, they wanted to defend him because- at the moment he had COVID, so we were supposed to, okay, forget what led us to this moment. And that's what he got his pass card. That's his sick card. Exactly. Is, is that exactly. what they were saying to you? Exactly. That's what, you know, and they felt like, you know, and they didn't show up. And, but that was the greatest thing that could have happened because that let me know who they are individually. And I just say, you know what? I, you know, I would never want to run with that person anyway, knowing deep down if something was to happen. That person would not have my back. So why would I want to share miles with anyone like that? So I can't call out a run crew that haven't shown up or that I would love for them to show up because the majority of them did show up. But I can say that some of these run crews have members that felt like we were in the wrong when we said vote him out. But at the same time, what were they thinking? What did they think running to protest was about? Like, did they literally think that, well, first, did they think they could, they could control us is one thought. Amen but, then, to that. <laughs> but then the second thought is, what do you think running to protest is all about? Did you really think we weren't going to say anything about getting this asshole up out of there? Like, you, if so, then I would have never started this because a lot of this white supremacist shit came back the way it did because of him. Absolutely. I, yeah. Like today, I think I texted a friend that I said, not all supporters are racist, but all supporters that I know tend to lean towards him. Yeah. Yeah. And now I know who's who. And I see something. Isn't that something like now you know, you know, people that you have run with for years, consider friends that we are in the same circle, we don't know each other that you thought that they will be, at the end of the day, when there is a cause, that they will be for you, and now you're seeing that they're not. How does that make you feel? Now that makes me feel great, because you always want to know who you're surrounded by. You know, one of the things my grandmother always said, show me your friends and I'll show you you. And, that's, and that always stayed with me, because I never understood that till I hit college, you know? And then, now that I'm running, all these people could love me or would love to run with me. And that could make you kind of feel like, oh, they're my friends, they're my friends. But in reality, when things like this happen and an election come about and they start seeing the shit out like that, then that's when you know, oh, they, they was never a friend. They was just there to run miles with you because you, you probably know the route or you look menacing and nobody's going to mess with us because we're out on the street. You know, I, you know, I, I know I get looked upon differently when I'm out there running. I wonder if they got a black square on their Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) 
Touche, Jamie. Touche. Well, speaking of branding, I'm wondering, as you continue to protest, and we have seen a lot of entertainers and athletes who, when they speak out about social issues, they have suffered financially. Is your brand from the beginning through the film and through the way that you carry yourself as an actor, the roles that you want, you want to be respected and not stereotyped. Do you at any moment worry that what you're doing now is going to blacklist you in the future as you continue to go in your filming career, as you continue to try to do projects? Is that something that you think about at all? I haven't thought about that. Um, I mean, my family comes first. So I know why I'm doing what I'm doing now. And and I'm and I'm hope I hope um Hollywood or whoever it is that's filming or see that I might could be a potential part of whatever project they have going on, don't try to use that against me as my beliefs could be differently, I mean, could be different than, than theirs. So I know some people have been blackballed out of Hollywood because of certain things that they have done the exact same way um, they have been blackballed in sports. But if, you, if you're saying that there needs to be change, then they need to change everything now. This is the right time to do all of that and not just talk about it, but be about it. So I don't, I never, I haven't thought if it can hurt me or not, because like right now about the people, the short film that we're talking about, we're, we're in talks with different networks about um, turning that into a limited series. Um, now, can I sit here and say that these networks all of a sudden want to turn this into a limited series because they feel like it's the right time to do so? I, I don't know, because this was already the minute that we dropped this out the the minute we premiered this to the masses, it was already discussed then. We was already been approached early on last year about, hey, we need to talk. Hey, take my card. Hey, this is my number. This is my email. We need to we need to figure this out because we can see, you know, these characters being developed. So I I, I can't, I, I just hope not. I hope I'm not going to be placed in this little black box and be blacklisted because of what I'm trying to do not just and not just for my kids, but for every person of color, um, black, Hispanic, Asian, you know, everyone that gets looked upon as the minority is why we we're doing this. You know, running to protests isn't saying, you know, this is just for blacks. It's saying, you know, everybody that's is more for us, people of color, but there's racist people everywhere that if you're not white, then we all get looked upon as the exact same, which is a threat. However, it's us black people that gets murdered by the cops first. Right. So now that you know, we have technically a new president-elect. Um, what happens now to the run into protests? What What are the next steps with this? new administration and also, you know, that was like the big ticket item to get people to register to vote in this election, just to send that message. But, you know, there are gonna be plenty of 
elections in New York City next year, we're like, the mayor is, is we're going to have a new mayor, the Blasphemy cannot be reelected, and like, the mayor decides who the commissioner is, the commissioner um, decides how the police behave, you know, Cy Vance is also up for re-election. He's at the district attorney. The district attorney decides what crimes are prosecuted, who gets arrested, who does not get arrested. And that has implications of like, you know, if you have an arrest, whether or not you can go get a job, you can apply for like federal assistance. So what is next now that the big ticket item has been taken out, Trump is out of office? What is next for running to protest? Well, for me, running to protest, yes, he's taken out of office, but that was never really, that, was, that wasn't the biggest focus. The biggest focus for running to protest is to stop police brutality and to stop us from being get killed by people who are supposed to protect us. And so that's going to continue because we know that's not going to stop because Trump is out of the office. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and what you was just saying as far as um, the mayor, the commissioner, the, you know, the councilmen and the people who are running for councils, that, that's, that actually takes place in June of 2021. We actually, um, we, we, we are involved. We know all the people that who are running and we actually going to, in spring of next year, the top of spring, we actually going to have them to come and speak to us so we can know exactly who we voting for. Because just as much as we were saying, vote for the president, make sure you get that, that cat out of the office. You also have to vote for your community, for your neighborhood. That's that just- is so funny. I thought that that would be your next thing. I think yeah. I wrote as I said, you know, I'm gonna ask him if he's aware of who the elected officials for local are. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I figured you would. Yeah, we like we we know them like um like I'm in Fort Greene, so we know that Crystal, um we are we actually had Crystal to speak at the one uh, for um vote vote him out. And but we also met all the other people who are running for council and, and mayor, and they already know that we're gonna have an event at the top of spring that they're all gonna come, whoever wants to show up, and we try to figure out who's who and who's right for that community. So that's where we're taking running to protests. We, we're going to continue running. And, you know, at the end of the day, Black lives still matter. You know what I mean? Like, we still chanting the exact same thing until we see equality. And even, you know, and, and, and who's to say, like, right now, let me show, show me your board. And that's how I'd be able to tell if there's equality. You know, I don't care about your commercials. I don't care about your t-shirts that you know, you're saying Black Lives Matter. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see that. Show me what's really needed, like your board, and then I'll tell you if you're really on board with what we're supposed to be looking like in today's world. Because that's what a lot of these companies aren't showing you. They don't want you to see who's really making the decisions. So what awesome. are you? So what are you running for next year, Coffee? What am I? I'm sorry. What are you going to be running for? <laughs> oh no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, if 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 anyone should run for anything, that should literally be power. Um, like I give all that to to power. I, I tell them that all the time. Um, I would I would I would gladly say I'd be the first one here to say that. Um. I'm second to power when it comes to politics. Um, and that's why we're so great 
together because I know my position. You know, I'm great in this arena and he's great in that arena. And I don't discuss anything that I know he's going to be forefront for because he's the master of that. And I'm not trying to outdo him and he's not trying to outdo me. So if anybody should run for office, it should definitely be power. Well, do you um, see art and film as, for you, a vehicle for change? And do you see yourself combining running with film and and doing some projects in that direction? Totally. Um, Such as? Like, there's a, I I wrote a film a couple of years ago called Dear Summer um, in 2014 that was strictly about I mean, it's crazy because everything that's happening now was happening in this film, but it was just based off um, what was already happening, what happened to Rodney King, you know, to those guys back then. So running for me is a vehicle, like it's my medicine that I actually go out and think about what the next step may be when it comes to pinning any type of film. And I think now with the pandemic that hit, don't you guys see, I know you guys see this too. How many people you, you actually see out there running now? It seems like everybody is outside running. And if they're not running, they are biking. So I think Hollywood, not just me, but Hollywood itself is trying to change things up um, by including running or some type of exercise film. So art will be a part of filming just as much as running or biking within that film. And it just so happened with me, man, like, I guess you can say I'm kind of blessed that I'm, uh, I'm like, sort of like a renaissance man by, by running, uh, by acting, by being able to tell my own stories because I know how to write scripts and, you know, from the fashion side of things as well and hip hop as well. So you take all that, put it in one jar, and you guys are talking to him now. I love Double XL. <laughs> hey, I, you know that. <laughs> my ex, my ex husband loved Double XL. My ex husband was from um, is Haitian American. Oh, nice. And he was an aspiring producer, rapper, you know, the whole shebang. I I grew up I grew up in um, Brooklyn, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I grew up in East New York, Brooklyn, and then um, my ex husband was really into that, so you know, double XL episodes, uh, you know, everything was in my uh, home. So yeah, I used to like your magazine. Yeah. Uh, and that's where um, I can say double XL is probably where every, I start seeing everything and, and there was a lot of racism in publication. So, so of course, magazine. What is, for people who don't know, what is double XL? We're, we're just assuming just like how last week, we didn't want to assume that Nathan knew what a we was. He apparently did know. So I don't want to assume that Nathan knows what now XL was. So please do explain it. No, Double XL was is a hip hop music magazine. So and in two thousands, it was you know. Hey, yo, Nathan, you ever heard of the source? I've heard of the source. I've heard of Double XL. Okay. You guys don't know anything. There you go, Ines. Nathan is Nathan knows everything. Yeah, he's down. Like, <laughs> like, come on. I'm sure he listens to hip hop. If, if you listen to hip hop, then oh, it'd be then you totally <laughs> Double XL vibe source. You know, some one of them. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, Double XL it, it was it's a it was a hip hop magazine, and um, we took over in the two thousands, and I you know I was there for ten years, so I got to I was actually running the show from I was the fashion editor, so um, that's where everything kind of the vehicle kind of took off with me getting to know so many of these people, whether it was the people behind the scenes or whether it was the the, the rappers, um, the most famous artists out there as well as the celebrities that you see on TV because everybody wanted to be in this magazine regardless of if they was an actor, actress, rapper, whoever. And um, they had to come through me. I had to talk to them uh, and understand why. And, and you know, and the editor-in-chief had to choose the right person to grace the cover so it could sell for that month. You know, it's sad that magazines now have tank and everything is online. But for, the, for those 10 years, man, that fashion world that magazine world was like no other because there was so much money involved. Well, some magazines have actually survived through this economic downturn as far as like running magazines and you were featured in Runner's World, they interviewed you and there's been lots of talk that Runner's World isn't always forward thinking and including people of color who they interview, who they put on the covers. So talk to me about how, how did they come to you? What did it feel like? And were they even, what have, have you noticed that they've done anything since as far as um, covering diversity after they spoke to you? Yeah, well, when, when they, here's the thing, when they approached me, um, they actually did a documentary on me for the very first, uh, running the protest event that we had. And um, for any, not just runners world, but for anyone that says that they know that they didn't fault for not doing the correct thing back in the day, we have to give them a chance to show us if they really mean what they say. And they literally just came out with a um, cover with a black lady on it. Um, and they also came out with another cover, I think a split cover with um, that showing diversity as well. Um, truthfully, I didn't really know about Runner's World a year ago. Um, I had no clue what Runner's World magazine was a year ago. Um, so when they came to my attention, I actually had to ask a question about, ask some more questions about them. That's when they let it be known. Oh, that's one of the biggest running magazines ever. Oh, okay. Like, you know, I wasn't a runner all my life. So, you know, for me, magazines tank. For me, whatever magazines I was reading was <laughs> all hip hop magazines. I will confess that I used to read 17 when I was in high school, <laughs> but, but that was just to learn some that was just to learn what women like, girls like, so I can use a line or two from the magazine. But other than that, um, so now, now we know that is where men do the research to get to know <laughs> women. They read Seventeen magazine. Yeah, but but I didn't know, <laughs> but I didn't know what Runners World was a year ago, and I have seen them change. Uh, I'm not gonna say that again. Let's go back. Show me your board, because I don't know what it looks like on the inside. You but then I mean? how, how are they different then from the people who, when you were showing your film last year, 
and they say, yeah, yeah, well, we can't do it now. We don't have, we don't have the time or whatever, but they're coming to you now because runners, black runners not being represented, uh, being covered, only being put on the cover when they are an athlete on a professional mm-hmm. or like an entertainer, yeah. you know, that's when so, they get on. So how, my, is, how is it different? So, um, so my conversation with them when they finally reached out to me was, um, my conversation with them was actually, you know, I didn't know who you guys were, but now that I do, if we're going to do this, then this is what I need to see in the future. Which was and more, that's, what did you and say? With more that the covers need to be more diverse because, you know, um, we all runners. Everybody. How did they respond? Oh, they, they listen. You know, it was like, it, there was no type of attitude. They was, you know, they wanted to hear what I had to say and I didn't sugarcoat or I didn't like, you know, try to hold back anything. No, I was forward. Like, look, okay, here's how, this this is what we can do, but this is how it has to be done. And this is how it has to be handled um, moving forward. And I wasn't trying to tell them what to do. I was suggesting like, look, now that I know who you guys are, I can go years and years and years without seeing that one person of color, black person, Asian person on the cover. Did, did you interact with any people of color in those discussions or was it all white people? Well, the fact that the, well, the people that was here that I was outside with was actually white people. And oh wait, hold up, white and Hispanic. <laughs> Cause I can't forget my homeboy. I mean, not my homeboy, but a friend, he was Hispanic. And, um, and I know that because my wife is Cuban and he's Cuban. So that's why I was like, wait, hold on. I don't want to discredit nobody. <laughs> but um, white and Hispanic. Um, I didn't speak to anyone that was black. Um, yeah, I was inside the issue, but I was like, I think I was on runnersworld.com like three, four different times. And then all of a sudden I was in the back of an issue for some new article that they actually started um, with me being the first one. But the fact that they actually put um, us on the cover, not me per se, but you know, our culture on the cover, that's showing some change, but they need to continue doing that. But why not put you on the cover though? You know, you're literally leading like a running movement that people in other cities are reaching out to you to say like, hey, can we do the same thing? And you mm-hmm. tell them, you know, go ahead and partner. Like, you you could do this too. This is not just a New York, New York issue. You know what I mean? That's where, where the conversation is like, have you said, like, show me your board. And I guess it's like what also Nathan was a hinting to. Like, you know, the editors are making these promises. Like, when they go back, like, who do they say this to? Yeah, um, that's a great question. But, you know, I actually, here's why I don't mind not being on that cover. Um, these people that they have put on the cover, the black women and the black men, the people of color, they've been running all their life. They deserve that cover. I just started running 15 years ago as a grown, as an adult. And I don't want to take anyone shine away, anyone hard work that, that has been doing track and field since day one through, you know, when they was younger, junior high, high school, college. Cause for me, that wasn't me basketball was me. Um, I don't want to take any shine away from that individual. And I'd rather for them to go, you know, find 
who those people are and give those people what they deserve. And for me, you can put, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with a page on the inside. Um, and there's, I, I appreciate the fact that you want to see me on the cover. If they want to put me on the cover, I won't turn it down. <laughs> but, but, but I love the fact that, you know, I'm seeing people that actually has been doing this, putting blood, sweat, and tears through this their entire life. And I think that's well-deserving. I don't like, you know, taking anyone's credit or taking anyone's shine in any category that's never been me. Um, I, I, I love, you know, the attention that running to protest is getting, but understand that um, it's a team effort. It's not just coffee. It's not just power. It's just, it's not just coffee and power. It's, it's the, the team that we have behind us, as well as the people that actually comes to the event to see and hear everything that we're talking about and discussing and, and, and moving from what we're going to continue moving forward with. So if a cover comes, it does, but if it don't, I'm not mad at that. At the end of the day, my cover is, as long as I'm on my kids' cover, I'm all good. Okay. So well, I, that brings I, us- I'd rather have that dad magazine cover as opposed to any runner's well cover and no disrespect for him. <laughs> And that brings us to our have mic segment, which it sounds like you were you were preparing for this already. What? Uh, well, the hot mic is the strongest message that you want to leave this conversation with, and you got a little bit of time. Yeah, I'm gonna get the timer. You're gonna have two minutes, and you can think of it as your Oscar acceptance speech. Wait, wait, wait! Don't stop. Wait, wait, wait! Wait, <laughs> wait repeat that again. Is is what? Oh my God. Where's the oh. wrap it up? Uh, where's the wrap it up music? <laughs> the wrap it up box. <laughs> We're gonna give you two minutes to speak uninterrupted about any topic or any message that you want the listener to come away with from this conversation. From the conversation we just had. Or anything, yes, anything. And like Nathan okay. said, you know, pretend. Think of it as your Oscar acceptance speech, yeah. if I could talk. And, you know, we will play the music to let you know to wrap it up. <laughs> okay. So, Nathan? Yeah, I'll give you the signals. You got one minute, then two minutes. So, whenever you're ready. But I'll probably stop before two minutes. So. Well, then you would be the first because everyone else says they'll stop. And then it's like five, six, seven. And it's great. So just go off, go into your own mind, go into your own world. We want to hear how you wrap it up for us. Okay. Well, let me know when to start. Go. Um, all right. Um, black is beautiful. Don't let any and everybody tell you anything different. Um, whatever dream that you may have, please fight for it. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't. Um, usually people try to tell you that because they can't do it th themselves. Um, pay attention to your surroundings. I always steal the, the wording that my grandmother said, show me your friends and I'll show you you. Know where you are at in life. Make sure that you have plans um, for each month. Make sure you climb each step, the highest that you can go 
You don't want any regrets as you get older. Um, I wish I had should never be in your vocabulary. Whatever it is that you think you wish you had should have gotten done. Make sure that you succeed. Failure is always the greatest tool in life. Um, I fell many of times and because I fell is why I'm where I'm at today. Um, just look at the world as being your canvas and make sure you paint that motherfucker each and every color that you like. And at the same time, always throw something in there that you have no idea about and you may hate it, but spray a little bit of that in there because you will come across enemies and whatever color that might be that you dislike that you do on that canvas could be a lesson for you on how you should deal with your enemy in real life. Replay what I just said so you can get that. The end. Love you all. Uh, did he go over? 151. What? <laughs> like I'm surprised, Coffee. We give you a mic and you 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 keep it short. Like well, I mean He's uh, talked a lot this hour. Yeah, I think after two hours. If this was an Oscar, I would have started with, first and foremost, I'd like to thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could end it with that. <laughs> thank God that every day I come back to my family. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, I, that's, that, that's real. That's real, what you just said. Um, every day is not even that. It's that I have to relive my life every single day. I feel like every Black person or person of color, have to, we have to relive our lives every single day to make sure that we come back to our families. So whatever it is that I did the day before and I came home safe, I got to make sure that that repeats. And as a grown man, that sucks. That's sad. But that's yeah, just I mean, certainly, you know, as a black man in America, you know, how does that, when you go to bed at night, how do you sleep? This was also a line from the movie. How do you, yeah. how do you sleep at night? I don't. Um, that's another thing. I, I, I can't sleep. Um, I probably get the most I probably get is like three to four hours a night. And um, majority of the other time is me writing watching TV, looking over the kids and my wife and everything that's going on in this climate. So I, I don't, uh, I get a man, I get DMs every day about different things. And um, that's mind boggling. So I, I, I don't sleep. Um, running, like I ran, like I said, I ran right before I got on with you all and I, and I ran because I said yesterday didn't feel like a run, but I also ran earlier because I usually go out there at midnight, but I also ran early because I got a DM that, you know, pretty, that bothered the shit out of me because of something that just happened similar to uh, Mr. George Floyd. So it's, it's, it's the craziest shit because I know the times that we're living in is not going to stop. And how do you stop it? There's, how do you, how are you taking care of yourself? 
mentally and physically as you you're taking in like you said people deem you with things you're bombarded with information that is always not always positive you had a friend who committed suicide you out there struggling you know running helping people find resources and i've had this conversation with power like how are you taking care of yourself so that the movement does not lose you that the, those in people in your life are not like because you just said you're not sleeping how are you taking care of your mental health and your physical health uh running alone i i just run by myself i mean I, I i just go on and run by myself to figure it all out and but when i run i stop you know for me it's not about trying to run seven miles in 35 minutes you know i <laughs> It's, it's about running, finding a destination, not even a destination, but finding a place that you can zone out to. And that's what I do here in all my runs along. I stop, zone out, and um, once I zone out, Nathan, that's, that's, that falls back into your question earlier about um, art and film and running. I zone out, and that's where all the creative thoughts come into play and those creative thoughts take me out of the real world of what I, I may be feeling at that time because is it is it painful um is it a lot yeah that's yeah it is it's a lot man it's it's it's, it's, it's a lot um but I do know that I'm okay I was I was born and been taught and bred for everything that I'm doing now thank God to my grandparents for um, embedding everything that they did into me back then. So it's not something that I wasn't ready for. It was something that I was ready for. I just didn't know until I began um, running some protests and with social media, you get, you tend to see a lot more things and you get a lot more information than what the media puts on TV. So I'm reading a lot more than the norm and it bothers me. Um, but at the same time, um, you can't help everybody. And the fact that you can't help everybody because you're only one person or you're, you only got 24 hours in a day is what kind of fucks me up in a way. But has, any, has anything brought you to tears? I know Van Jones on Saturday as the president-elect was confirmed he got really emotional in the same way that um, he was about four years ago. I know Power has mentioned that men should not be ashamed of talking about their feelings, saying mm -hmm. that you love your brother or even crying like all of that is part of being a human being. You said you've gotten DMs. Has anything brought you to tears when you say like, again, why? Oh yeah, of course. I think, man, look, how many times? I think I done cried in front of the running the protest audience like two or three times, right? So, <laughs> like, like that was literally my first time um, crying in front of people. Like, I was just like, it just came out of nowhere. And um, I used to, look, what's crazy is that, what's funny is that I used to pick at my mother for being so sensitive. And I always told my wife this. I say, you know, the minute that my mom passed, I think how sensitive she used to be somehow jumped into me because I never used to be as sensitive as I have been lately. 
so yeah, there's a couple of things that brings um, tears to my eyes. And oh, I'm not afraid to tell anyone um, that I love them because again, I know what people, I know what people need to hear, but at the same time, um, you have to be real with it. You know, I, I don't just t- tell somebody I love them um, just to say it because they need to hear it. Um, you got to be able to love every single person that you come across um, somehow one way or another. And then um, you just let them know. And you don't want them to be misled by you telling them um, that they love you. I told somebody the, um, the other day um, that has come to like all the men in the protest, never seen a person before. And he just came up to thank me. And I said, yo, I appreciate it, man. Love you. Make sure you get home. He said, what? And I said, yo, love you. And he said, a, a man never told me that before, but I, I appreciate that because it feels differently. And I was like, yeah, for sure. Like it's, it's real because if you, if you're coming and running to protest, that means that you actually care about what's going on to get even deeper than that. For me, if you come into running to protest, then that means that you care about what I'm doing for my kids and everybody else that is going through the exact same thing that we are going through, the different challenges. Every single day is something different, something new versus the exact same thing that's been going on forever. And we all trying to figure out how we can stop it. Afi, I knew that if we persisted, we would get you to go over the two minute mark. For <laughs> Wait, you didn't stop. <laughs> that's, that's illegal there. You, that's not <laughs> From there. Which so, town did you grow up in? In North Carolina, right? Yeah, uh, Aurora. Where is that? It's like the east of North Carolina. Uh, what's crazy though, is that Aurora used to be called Betty Town. And Betty Town was a town where one of the free slaves found and named it Betty because his wife was named Betty. Mm. And it was a, um, it was, I'm about to get this wrong, but it was a underground railroad stop. It was all blacks in this town. And then um, when he passed away in 1859, his wife was forced to sell this town. And when he sold it, when they sold the town, they sold it to obviously white people and it was taken over um, from there. And they renamed it Aurora, Aurora, North Carolina. And it was on um, Indians ground. So a lot of people don't know, I don't advertise it, um, but my grandfather is Cherokee Indian. So my mom is half. And I got a, a lot of knowledge in that as well, but that's what Aurora um, did for me back then. And that's why there were so many racist acts happening in that small town of 500 people. And still today, um, dirt roads, stop signs, no stoplights, mm-hmm. still today in 2020. That's how small of a town Aurora is. So um, I was grateful, hope I got out of there, put it that way. 
Like I was grateful to get out of there because uh, I wanted to learn more. And that brings us to the end of the show. I'd like to thank our guest, Kafi, my co-hosts, Inez and Jamie, and you, the listener. See you next time on Let's Get Uncomfortable. Thanks for listening to Let's Get Uncomfortable. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us on the App Store, and follow us on Spotify.